Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Cyrus Christie to my Matty Cash. It's Justin Peach. Good afternoon. How's it going, Justin? Yeah, good, good. Really, really enjoy the football again. And obviously, Cyrus Mm. Christie's back in the Championship, which we all love. Do we all love that? I'm sure Forest fans might learn to love it. But as a Derby fan who saw Cyrus Christie on a weekly basis, are you excited about that or...? I mean, now he's playing for Forest, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we're joined on the show today by Johnny Bullock from the Middlesbrough podcast, The Borough Breakdown. Johnny, how's it going? Very well, mate. Very well. Um, I was just to chat about Cyrus Christie. Um, he did about three months spell at Middlesbrough and got, kicked, got shipped out by Tony Pulis. So, I was um, going to say, I've got no comment. <laughs> He, he did play for Middlesbrough, didn't he? But he wasn't very successful there either. Uh, we're also joined by Jake Robinson from the Norwich podcast, Canary Cast. Jake, how's it going? Hi, mate. Yeah, very well. Um, just to kind of link in the Cyrus Christie thing, he's he's not quite Max Aaron's, is he? Not being little Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> I we've, we've started off this podcast by just ripping into Cyrus Christie. <laughs> How else should we start off a podcast? Right, chaps. Uh, it's no coincidence we've both got you on because both your clubs had something in common this weekend. They both had crowds. The first crowds at a championship game since Derby v Blackburn back in March. Uh, Johnny, we'll go to you first. How was it? Was it a noticeable change? Yeah, it's a massive change. Um, appreciate. I was I was at home watching it through the through the through the stream, but in, just in terms of the atmosphere, you could sense it in the crowd. You know, the players had that extra yard, got running for that extra yard. It really does make a difference, and it's just nice to hear that roar again when someone scores. Yeah, same for you, Jacob. Yeah, hundred percent. We I can only say from last season without the fans, we, we were dreadful. Lost literally every game, and you could feel it, especially when we were two one down. You could feel the crowd, even though it was a thousand, kind of pushing the team on. I think that definitely did help in, in the way we kind of equalised and almost won it at the end. Yeah, Jake, I've got to ask: Was there any chanting? Was there perhaps a rendition of "On the Ball City"? <laughs> there was. It was um, always at the start of the game. Um, 
legit or every single game we uh, do on the ball city it was obviously a little bit quieter but to be fair to them they made enough noise like, you could definitely hear them even through like i was at home as well uh, watching it and yeah you could definitely hear them it did make a difference to the team so yeah it was uh, a, good, a good listen to natural sounds rather than um listening to the commentators rigorously all uh, all game <laughs> mm. I, I loved during your game how when preston scored their penalty there was just pure silence and then suddenly everyone started going I really hope that becomes a regular thing uh, but just finally on the crowds Johnny do you think it made the game better of course it does of course it does it without fans football's nothing isn't it so appreciate sure over the last few months football's had that automated crowd um where like someone would have a shot and then 30 seconds later you'd hear a whoo um so it's uh Brings it more realistic, but yeah, it, it, it's much, much better. Um, hopefully, we can get more fans in the next few weeks and hopefully we can start booing referees with Warney. So, it's, uh, yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Same question to you, Jake. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the more we can guess in, the better. You know, it definitely makes a difference and it gives you a home advantage, really, doesn't it? Alex Neal, yeah. after the game, was kind of moaning about the fact that Preston couldn't have any fans and it was like, OK, well, that's not going to happen anytime soon. But it could definitely give Norwich and future uh, other home teams a, a big advantage, for sure. Yeah, Alex Neal made the good point, actually, that it's interesting how we're letting fans back into the grounds just as there seems to be a national lockdown on the horizon, but we'll, we'll leave that there for now. Um, how did they decide who got who got the tickets, by the way? We did um, a draw, really. It was so you had to, if you're a season ticket holder, you log on to the website and then you get put in a random order. And then if, you oh, get, okay. if, you're, if you're the first thousand, then you get a ticket. If not, then you've got your stream there. I was going to say, because Justin, you've had a season ticket for what, over 15 years now, haven't mm. you? And you wouldn't be going back to a game, I suppose. No, it's it's a it's a strange one, but obviously I'm I'm in the boat where if if I get a place, I get a place. If I don't, I don't. I'm not going to moan about it. But you know, as I say, it'd be lovely to get back in just to just to experience some actual football rather than as I say delayed crowd noises and whatnot. Yeah, you're not fussed, are you? Whether you get to go to no, the game I'm quite easy. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Uh, let's talk about the the actual games then, because we'll start with Norwich first. That finished two two. What did you make of this game, Jake? I thought it was fairly even. Yeah, well, um, I thought Preston played really well, to be fair to them. They seemed like a team that, um, if they had a couple of additions, I'd be so frustrated if I was a Preston fan. A couple of additions to that squad, and they would definitely be up there. For us, I kind of looked at it beforehand, and they had a lot of strengths, Preston, that could kind of um, go in against our weaknesses. It was definitely the case. I don't think we have been very good in the first two games at all. Huddersfield are are very poor. They're going to be down there this season. They just didn't have a finishing product. And Preston probably should have won the game at the end of the day. even, I think I'd take a point. I was happy with a point. I don't think we massively deserved it. Mm. Justin, Preston gave as good as they got in this game and could have snatched all three points, as Jake pointed out. Um, Declan Rudd also had a bit of a mare as well, didn't he? And it's not the first time he's done that. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it always helps when your goalkeeper throws it into the goal to get back into the game. It's, it's disappointing. And obviously, Preston getting in front... Um, and then that happening, it's happened before with Declan Rudd. He doesn't, he doesn't always fill me with confidence. I've always thought Preston, if they have a really good goalkeeper and a striker who can put away chances, they're going to be up there um, consistently uh, breaching the top six. But as 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 Jake said, yeah, you know, I thought they were great, Preston, and and you know played played pretty well, played really well against Norwich, and you know could have won it. To be fair to Declan Rudd, I just want to say he made an absolutely tremendous save at the end against Pukki. I, I don't know how he still saved that. That kind of saved pressing the point. So so balance it up. 
Yeah. Well, you mentioned Pukki. He got his first goal since January. Although, as we mentioned, it was a bit lucky because of Rudd's <laughs> mistake. But do you think Pukki's confidence was perhaps affected a bit by that goalless run? Yeah, he was. He had a toe injury in December, scored against Leicester and he broke it, bruised it, whatever way you want to look at it. He definitely was affected by it. He was having injections into his foot, so he couldn't really feel it. Um, you can definitely see that in his finishing towards the end of the season and kind of lack of confidence. We also didn't give him that many chances. I, I don't know how much you watch of Norwich in the Premier League, but we did not create many chances after lockdown. And um, this season he's come back, though. He's, he's very, very hungry. You know, obviously we've got Ida coming through and Jordan Hugel signed, who is... I don't think he's a massive uh, threat at championship level consistently. I don't think he's going to score enough goals, but he will put Pukki in his place if he doesn't perform. So I think that's definitely given Timo a rocket up the um, backside. And yeah, he, he's performed very well in the uh, first two games. Yeah, just finally, um, you've... you. I've been listening to you guys and you fancy yourselves for promotion this season. Justin <laughs> fancies Norwich for promotion this season. Where do Norwich need to strengthen before the window closes? All depends on departures now. If there's no departures, there'll be no incomings. Um, we have just let Sam McCallum go at left back and um, back to mm. Coventry, which worries me slightly because while Xavi Quintiers looked good in the first couple of games, there's weaknesses there and he is only just adapting to first team football. Um, and we don't have a backup left back now. So we do have Ben Gibson who can play there. I'm not too sure about that. Sam Byron, when he comes back, can play there. Barley Mumba apparently can play there. There's too many kind of square pegs and round holes for me. I'd quite like a left back to back up to Quintier, which is, I'm surprised why McCallum's gone. Um, I just think a few of the players need to kind of get up to scratch against championship level. Um, Emmy Wendy, if we keep him, for me, it, we go up. Johnny, can Ben Gibson play at left back? He can. He can. That was his original original position before I moved into centre half. Um, and to be honest, he's been a great signer for Norwich. Uh, yeah. I think once he gets fit and starts playing more regularly, you've got probably one of the best centre halves in the championship. Very, very, very comfortable. Yeah, I've seen loads of Middlesbrough fans cursing Norwich fans for taking Ben Gibson away from them. Oh, look, it, it's a much better move for him. It's a, honest, honestly, it's a much better move for him. Uh, better financially, probably as well. Um, and also, you're going to be in a promotion fight at the end of the season as well. So, better for him anyway. Yeah, definitely. Uh, final question for you, Jacob. How do yeah. we pronounce the name of the Polish lad? <laughs> oh no, this is no preparation, so I'm going to murder it. Um, it's Shemeswav. Poheta or Poheta, oh so Poheta and Shemeswav. It's yeah, it's not easy. I'm um, going to take a lot of pronunciations. Norfolk accents will not cope with that very well. <laughs> <laughs> it, is not, it does not sound good in Norfolk accent, but yeah, Shemeswav Poheta. See, I was calling him Pancetta. And I was thinking to myself, no, he's not an Italian meat. So um, it's going to take a while for me to get, get around that one. Uh, let's get to your game, Johnny, because Middlesbrough drew 1-0 with Bournemouth. Marcus Brown equalising for Borough. I was very interested to hear that Neil Warnock was watching this game because obviously he got diagnosed with coronavirus. He was watching this game from his home in Cornwall. I was giving was. instructions to his coaching team, which makes me wonder if a manager has ever managed a team further away than Middlesbrough to Cornwall. <laughs> probably not mate but to be honest we were just chatting about it on, on our podcast there we were just saying how amazing it'll have been with Warnock you know he's probably got a funny background on the background probably more about the Wi-Fi connection saying <laughs> he hates these bloody things you know what I mean it, it, I would love to be in a fly on the wall for him uh, being incredible but we're very very lucky this year because we've got obviously Blackwell and uh, uh, Blackwell's assistant coach so Blackwell Jepson sorry so it's uh, there's bags of experience there now so last year obviously when we had Robbie Keane and Mugget there was mm. pretty much none, <laughs> non-existent. So, yeah, it's, it's probably a lot better. But, I mean, having Warnock on, on Wi-Fi would have been absolutely amazing. 
Middlesbrough's Cornwall as well. That is one hell of a drive. Eight to two hour flight that. now. You know, Teesside Airport's doing. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I thought it was a good result for Borough against a relegated side with some very good players. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. So I'd say like the the first two games for our, uh, for our season, Watford first game, Bournemouth the second game. We've matched them in terms of performances, and that's that's one big improvement from last year. Um, appreciate. I think it's going to be a quiet season for us. Um, I, I actually have said on our own podcast, if we get promoted, I'll get horny for horny tattooed on my backside. <laughs> um, so it's uh, if that if that happens, amazing. <laughs> Uh, but in terms of actual, <laughs> in terms of performance, yeah, match them, deserved the point, probably deserved all three. But uh, we just didn't get it, just due to our lack of finishing, which is standard for more really. Horny for horny. Hey, it's it, it's catch it's catching like wildfire. <laughs> to be honest, we once we tweeted that, it's it's got it's doing the rounds. Definitely. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, one person who is horny for one is Marcus Brown. He got the goal. Um, and it, it didn't really work out for him initially at Middlesbrough, did it? But do you think he'll feature a bit more this season? Well, he has to. I think I know um, what I'm saying there about uh, Norwich um, having a lot of players and it's in the promotion. We only really have 14 players. So it's, uh, you know, he's definitely going to feature at some point. Um, I think he played up front yesterday and when Ashley Fletcher went off injured. So. It's not his natural position, um, but I think he'll probably fit in the more than number 10 this year. Tav's been off the boil a little bit, so he definitely deserves his place and he, he definitely deserved his goal yesterday. Yeah, well, he's got loads of potential, hasn't he? And if he really kicks on, he could be a very good player. Uh, just quickly on Bournemouth, Justin, Dominic Slanky got on the score sheet, even though I thought it was an own goal, but nonetheless. Um, he's someone who could really relish playing in the Championship, couldn't he? Definitely. I think he's... I think he's going to be in line for a golden boot season this season he's, he's, he's certainly got quality and you know that goal to the, yesterday will, will give him a massive lift um, it probably shouldn't have crept in but you know those sorts of goals like Timmy Pukis um, with Declan have thrown it in the goal they, they help strikers no end uh, and, and he'll be delighted and another point is he completed the most dribbles in his side yesterday which the amount of individual quality Bournemouth have and you know your big number nine's beating players it is quite significant but obviously from from Bournemouth I expect them to get a lot better because you know Borough dominated them in terms of chances and it's and it's disappointing for a team with the amount of quality that Bournemouth have Dominic Solanke golden boot this season just writing that down so I remind <laughs> you at the end of the season found a point Asmir Begovic played for Bournemouth yesterday I completely forgot he existed uh, right let's go around the grounds we'll start off with the side who are top of the table after two games that's Reading they beat Barnsley 2-0 after they went down to nine men we're joined by Alex Everson from the Reading podcast Elm Park Royals Alex how was the game yesterday Yesterday was the classic game of two halves. Bunsley started the game very well. They looked very organised, high press, put us out of our comfort zone. Central midfield was being bypassed and Zhao never really looked in the game. All changed just for half time when Barnsley had a red card. Don't really think there's too many arguments with that red card. And then uh, obviously the second half, Reading took control of the game once they were once Barnsley were down to 10 men. Second red card came just after the opening goal, which was a scrambled corner, and Reading didn't really create that many chances, but got the job done anyway, which is always pleasing to see, and uh, still top of the league, so brilliant. I've got to ask you about young Michael Elise, the 18-year-old who got the winner in this game, a beautiful volley from just outside the box. Uh, He looks a really good player, doesn't he? Elise is definitely a real talent. He's had two assists so far this season, one in the league and one in the cup already, and then added to that with a goal yesterday. 
it's one of the things that Reading fans have kind of hoped that he would develop into his game. It would be more more opportunities for him to, to shoot a goal. Um, and hopefully we see that kind of progress throughout the season. And if he can get himself to seven, eight, nine goals this season, then we're going to have a real, real player on our hands. Um, and I think we might struggle to keep him at the end of this season. Um, another player who had a very, very good game yesterday and is developing into a, a very solid player is uh, Omar Richards, a left back. And he is becoming the first choice left back quite easily now. And now we've got rid of Blackett and Abita. Um, and I expect him to develop into a very, very competent championship left back this year. And just finally, Alex, two wins in two now for Reading. Do you think there's a possibility they could potentially push for the playoffs this season? It's probably very early to say in terms of promotion or playoffs yet, uh, given that we're only two games in. But our next games are against Cardiff and then Watford before the international break. If we go in and get three or four points from those two, then I would start to think that perhaps we've got an idea of being able to to look at being in and around the playoffs this season. Um, the side is certainly not that bad in terms of uh, the first 11. The squad depth is still a little concerning, but we've still got maybe three or four weeks to kind of address those issues um, in terms of depth. So perhaps we can get somewhere in and around the playoffs this season. Um, I don't really think it's an expectation, though, that fans are going to put on the club um, more hope than anything else. Um, but we should expect a, a better season than, than we've seen over the last few years, I would I would think. Cheers, Alex. That's Alex Everson from the Elm Park Royals podcast. Justin, it was a brilliant result for Reading, but the Streber train is still yet to leave the station. Still not got going, and I think this game almost... You know, they had a quick start against Reading, but as you say, it just, just hasn't, got, uh, hasn't got going for them this season. I think... You know, a couple of games in, you'd expect at least a point, but you know, two games, no goals, it is frustrating for them. Yeah, I mean, when you lose two men during this match, you can't really uh, complain too much. Although they were stupid, the first one was a bit <laughs> stupid, wasn't it? And then the second one, I, I didn't really think that was a red card. Did you? See, I thought the first one wasn't a red card. I thought the second one was stupid. Uh, See, okay, fair I think I think you take the first red card out of the game, and I think the outcome of this game might have been different because Barnsley were quicker to start than Reading. Um, but mm. obviously, you know, there's, there's got to be a bit of momentum, and the red cards just took it out of took it out of the game for for Barnsley. Yeah, well, let's move on to the side who are joint top of the championship with Reading. It's Luton. They beat Derby 2-1 thanks to a late winner from Jordan Clark. Joining us now from the Second Tier Podcast is Derby fan Justin Peach. Justin, hello. That took me by surprise. Hello. <laughs> what did you make of that game? Um, I mean, it's a bit of deja vu for Derby and uh, for Luton. Maybe you know, Derby had a lot of the ball. Luton had the chances. You know, one defeat for one defeat for Luton in sixteen is, is unreal. And I thought they played; they were the more dangerous side. They played with a lot more confidence and and, and guile than Derby did. Yeah, as you say, well, Luton only had a third of the possession, but looked really good when they did have the ball, I thought. They were mm. really effective and efficient with uh, how they used the ball, whereas Derby, it's something that they kind of got used to, yeah. passing the ball side to side, where Luton were very direct and looked dangerous every time, really. Well, the Luton midfield broke, uh, they did well, they broke the game up when they needed to, and, and they they counter-attacked quickly. Ten interceptions in the game to Derby's five tells you how pedestrian Derby were and how, and how switched on Luton were. Um, and, of, and of course, you know when, they, when, when Luton got the ball and they turned it over, they, they were quick to break. And it, Derby suffered the same issues last week against Reading. Reading intercepted, broke the game up, quick to break. And Derby just weren't quick enough to... You know, they just weren't switched on enough. And Luton, I thought they, they, they wanted it more. They wanted the three points more. 
And the thing is, with Nathan Jones' teams, they use the fullbacks so well, mm. don't they? And we saw that yesterday. Reese Norrington Davis, in particular, really impressed me. I thought he was superb. But Nathan Jones continues to work wonders. And it makes me wonder, Justin, if maybe they won't be in a relegation battle this season and could go on to finishing mid-table, <laughs> maybe even higher. They play like that, you know. As I say, it's one defeat in sixteen. They've certainly got um, under a lot of Jones. momentum under Nathan Jones. Certainly got a lot of momentum and good form. Um, and you know, forget the Stokes spell. That was a glitch for Nathan Jones because he's showing how well he can get teams organised in, in in this Luton side. And we're seeing glimpses of that League One team that he built. You know, with the attacking fullbacks, breaking into spaces, really, really efficient, really, really good. And I'm certainly looking forward to seeing a lot more of Luton this season. Mm. From a Derby perspective. I thought they looked really poor, didn't they? They they were poor, but it was a step up from last week against Reading. They were let <laughs> down by by con- concentrate concentration again. You know, for example, left back Craig Versailles. I love him to bits. It was two hundred appearance for Derby yesterday, um, but he's let he's, he's let his man sneak in for the Luton's first, and he's got sucked into the middle for Luton's second. Um, but it's not all his fault. Cross has come into the box for Derby far too easily. But if Derby defended with the same desire as Luton, for example. You know that Sonny Bradley, where he launched his head in front of a shot. If they defend, if they defended with the same desire as that, they wouldn't concede goals so easily. And it's 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 a mentality thing, which for me is a bit concerning when you're two games into the season. I'm more concerned about them going forwards, if I'm honest, because Derby's first four games in the League and Cup have made fans realise, I think, how good Tom Lawrence and Martin Waggon are because they've lacked so much going forwards. And you've got to keep in mind, they have got England's highest ever goal scorer playing for them. But <laughs> yeah. they're so desperate for a good striker because Jack Marriott's just not cutting it and Waggon, as, as I mentioned, is out injured at the moment. So they desperately need to bring in a striker. Otherwise, things aren't going to get better anytime soon. Uh, the big winners yesterday were Blackburn, who thumped Wickham 5-0. Adam Armstrong getting a hat-trick. Ryan Hildred is from Rovers Chat. Ryan, Blackburn looked very good here, didn't they? Yeah, it was a really excellent performance from uh, from Rovers yesterday. I think um, the surprising thing for us is these are the types of games that we usually slip in, uh, slip up in. Uh, so Luton and Charlton last season, newly promoted sides, we lost uh, at home to both of those. So to get the job done so clinically and and get some nice goals in there, you know, Armstrong got a hat-trick and, and the young lad Dolan as well, who's come out of nowhere for him to score on his first start was great. Um, yeah, Wickham, obviously, maybe it's a step too far for them. Um, and they found out the hard way yesterday at Ewood. But yeah, you, it's hard not to be happy with that performance yesterday. Um, tougher opposition next week in Derby, you know, who've been there or thereabouts for the last few seasons, you know, around the playoffs. Um, let's see if we follow up yesterday's victory uh, in the next game. Yeah, you've highlighted two players I wanted to bring up. First off, Adam Armstrong. We've always been a big fan of him on the second tier. But he seems to be someone who's getting better and better. Just how good is he? He's very good for us now. Um, When he first started, he didn't really contribute too much into the team. You know, that League One season, it was all about Dak and and Charlie Mulgrew. They were the ones who were grabbing the headlines and Armstrong chipped in with a few goals. Um, Armstrong started the season pretty slowly last season, actually, as well. And it wasn't until Bradley Dak's injury at Christmas last year that Armstrong's really emerged as that important player for us. But... First and foremost, the guy can finish, um, you know, variety of finishes, certainly from outside the box as well, some cracking goals. And at this level, pace, he's he's got absolutely blistering pace and that's a threat uh, at this level. And I think it was his hat-trick goal yesterday where that ball slipped in behind, 
teams struggle to cope with that. So, yeah, he's become a really, really important player for us, and, and especially in the absence of Bradley Dack. Yeah, and then the other one, 18-year-old Tyrese Dolan, who seems to have just come out of nowhere. Tell us about him. I mean, this one's a fairy tale story, really. Um, Blackburn have been quite slow with their transfer activity this summer um, or in this, you know, kind of amended pre-season. And um, Dolan kind of slipped under the radar, just a guy we signed from Preston who got released from their under-23 squad. And, you know, he was expected just to make up our under-23 squad. And then pre-season, Mowbray's obviously had a look at him and thought, actually, this kid can play. So he played in the friendlies. And, yeah, he... Again, blistering play, uh, pace like Armstrong. The guy has got some skills on him and just seems to have no fear. So absolute raw talent. And yeah, Mowbray's got just reward. You know, brought him on against Bournemouth last week and he, he looked good there and, and created a few things. And then yesterday, um, yeah, skills, trickery, pace and, and looks a real raw talent. So um, yeah, it's a, a real nice surprise, that one. And, and certainly not one that we were expecting to come so good. So Hopefully he can stay grounded and keep working hard and again come a really good player for us. And Ryan, what are Blackburn fans' expectations this season? You've still got Bradley Dack to come back, it's worth pointing out. But where are Blackburn fans looking to finish? I think expectation-wise, I'm expecting us to be within that mid-table, maybe flirting with the playoff type uh, territory. Hopefully nowhere near any kind of relegation battle or anything like that. Um, I still think we're a couple short in defence, although we've signed Daniel Ayala um, within the week. That should help shore us up. Um, I think... This season, it's going to be wide open for everyone. I think there's going to be a couple of sides that you think might not make the playoffs that do it, and hopefully Rovers can be one of those. But um, our squad's quite light. You know, we're low on numbers, um, and I think defensively, there's a few things that we do need to sort out. Um, yesterday, it was great to be clinical, but that was that's still a bit of an Achilles heel for us that we need to take our chances more in games. So. Expectation-wise, I predicted as ninth um, in our kind of pre-season thing on the Rovers Chat website. That's probably where I'm thinking, maybe a, a step too far for that playoff. But hopefully we can um, push and, and get into that top six at some point this season. Cheers, Ryan. That's Ryan Hildred from Rovers Chat. Brilliant stuff from Blackburn. But, Justin, I'm already fearing the worst for Wickham because they looked awful, didn't they? Well, welcome to the championship. <laughs> last, <laughs> last last week was a bit of a, a bit of a false dawn for Wickham because obviously they're playing Rotherham. They've come up with them. It's not necessarily a League One game, but they've they're coming up against a team they know. Um, and then you come up against a Blackburn team who are so good um, in attack, and I think probably one of the the best attacks in the division. You have got players like Brereton, Armstrong, and Dolan. There's not a natural number nine, so they're going to find it difficult. Um, but obviously, as I was saying with Wickham, that you know they're coming up with an attack like that. It is frightening that they they got turned over so easily. Defensively, they're well for me. I thought they were a lot more assured defensive than they were going forward. You know, a bit of a direct uh, direct team, and I thought they might approach the game in the same way they did the, the playoff final with three centre backs and two wing backs to shore himself up. But they left him so left himself so open, and obviously that showed against Blackburn. Yeah, Gareth Ainsworth said after the match he wants to prove that Wickham can be a Championship side, but. I can see results like this happening a few times this season based on that performance because they, they were so bad, Justin. So, so bad. <laughs> I think they will grab a few points off teams over the course of the next few months, but not if they play anything like how they did here. Uh, right, let's have a break. Afterwards, we'll talk about Cardiff, Brentford and Coventry. 
It's a little known fact that when Justin and I record these shows, nine times out of ten we're wearing a classic football shirt from years gone by. And where do we get them from? Classicfootballshirts.co.uk In fact, as I record this, I'm wearing my PSG shirt with Thiago Silva on the back. Alternatively, I could have worn my Juventus shirt, Dortmund shirt, Blackburn shirt. I could go on. We're big fans of classic football shirts here because they offer you classic football shirts at a great price. And it's not just shirts either. Oh no, dear listener. There's also training wear, tracksuits, shorts, socks, you name it. And I can guarantee they'll have something for your club. So head on over to classicfootballshirts.co.uk or visit them in store in either London or Manchester. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Right, let's go to the City Grounds where Cardiff got their first win of the season, beating Forest 2-0 thanks to a brace from Kiefer Moore. We're joined by Tom Phillips from the Cardiff Podcast, View from the Ninian. Tom, I thought Cardiff looked really good here. Yeah, I thought we looked really good. It was a stark contrast to Sheffield Wednesday. We actually looked threatening with the ball, especially first half. Kiefer Moore looks like the striker we hoped he would be. The likes of Ojo had a decent show in. And Marlon Pack had arguably his best game in a City shirt after receiving a lot of criticism off our fans recently. And, well, rightly so as well. He's been quite poor, but it was a really decent show in. We were solid at the back and you just really can't complain about a clean sheet win away at Nottingham Forest. Yeah, I thought Kiefer Moore was brilliant yesterday. He was unplayable at times. And that was something that you missed last season, wasn't it? A good striker. And now you've got that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we've seen to be missing a striker for years, even in the the seasons where we got promotion to the Premier League, we still didn't have that out-and-out goal scorer. And Bakifa Moore is a constant threat. He's in not just in the air with the ball at his feet, he makes runs in behind, and he's just a general nuisance. Um, we've seen what he's done for Wales as well, and he's come into Cardiff and he's hit the ground running. So long may it continue. Um, and it's a scary thought, really, having a striker, because we've had some decent wingers. We we play some decent stuff at times, and if we've got someone up top who can put the ball away. We could really be in with a shout again promotion this season. Um, the key for more for Ballon d'Or uh, bandwagon is well and truly rolling. Hey, I'm all aboard that bandwagon. And uh, Tom, we had Cardiff to finish in the top two this season. Uh, I've seen a few other people also tip them to have a good season as well. Um, are Cardiff fans as confident as we are about them uh, finishing in and around the top two? Yeah, I was surprised to hear you play him a second, uh, Cardiff a second in uh, in your predictions. But there's a quiet confidence, I think. I don't think we're expecting to be top two. Um, there's a bit of hope there. Personally, I thought we might be around the final playoff places, maybe just outside. But I think we need to add a bit of depth to our squad. We need to make sure we consistently start games because that's been a problem for us at times. But, you know, a, a few more reinforcements, make sure we've got a bit, bit of depth in our squad. Kiefer Moore keeps firing then. Yeah, we're in with a shout, and um, oh, I'd, yeah, I'd love it. I'd love to sneak that second. I can't say he's winning the league, but I'd love to sneak second. But I'd take playoffs right now, I must admit. Thanks a lot, Tom. That's Tom from View from the Ninian. Justin, Kiefer Moore, what a player. First off, I just want to say, he's a very good-looking bloke. just want to put that <laughs> on the record. But I was watching him yesterday, and I thought to myself, this lad looks like a Premier League player. It helps that he's built like a rugby player and he's six foot five, but he's much quicker than you think. He's great with the ball at his feet. He can create chances and he can score. The Forest defenders, they didn't know what to do with him at times, did they? I mean, for Kiefer Moore, you're looking at players like Joe Worrell and Tobias Figueiredo and you're looking at them and going, I'm going to I'm gonna have you here. I've got, I've, I've, I've won <laughs> and he did. already. And he did. And Exactly, he did. 
he had 50 touches of the ball and you sort of think you're just a target man you, how are you getting involved in the game and he does he's not like a you know you got Matt Smith on one end of the spectrum and maybe Lukas Djokovic on the other end of the spectrum where Matt Smith is all headers and Lukas Djokovic is a bit of both, a bit good of his head, good of his feet. And then Keith Moore's like slap bang in the middle. He's, he's sort of a really good hybrid between a very good target man, which I don't know how I explained that as well as I did, but I think I did. Um, and as you say, he's, he's so good. At two million pounds, obviously, circumstances with Wigan's finances is there but he's so so good and that's why he's Wales' number one striker for example he's he's a, he's a big player for Wales and he's going to be a big player for Cardiff and certainly Premier League player in the making yeah I, I mean two million pounds as you mentioned clubs are going to be looking at that after this season thinking why on earth didn't we go and get him because he looks so so good so so good but for Forrest Lamushi, the pressure just continues to build and build, and it's not looking very good for him, is it? No, definitely not. It's 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 a worry that the fact they haven't really threatened um, the opposition goalkeeper. I know they had a couple of chances yesterday. Mm. Yates it was had the last header. thirty minutes, one six. The yeah, first sixty minutes, mm. they were the second best to everything. They tried to string together five passes, and they just couldn't. It was yeah. side pass, side pass, hoof up the pitch. No, exactly. Yates had a header and um, Sami Amiobi had a shot. Sami Amiobi had a shot, um, but they were straight down Smithers' throat. It didn't really, it didn't really work him. No. And they just, they never looked like scoring. There was one occasion in the game, actually, in the second half, where Luke Freeman picks the ball up on the right and he looks behind him. He glances over his shoulder to see if there's an overlap. And Carl Jenkinson's in the 18-yard box. <laughs> I know you're trying to get into the box, but... There's no width there. There's absolutely no width. And, you know, when you're playing against a team like Cardiff, you've got to overload the wide areas, get crosses into the box, because there's two strikes on the pitch for Forrest. Mm. They've got, they didn't have a service. And, you know, we, we can criticise them because they weren't really involved, but they didn't, or they had nothing to feed off either. Um, and you can't, you can't just launch the ball into the box. You've got to get the, the defenders overlapping to the touchline and getting um, low crosses into the box because obviously Cardiff defenders are as, as big and monstrous as they are. And Forest just had nothing. They just had nothing. They didn't. They didn't wise up to it. It was really poor. Yeah, I think we, we were texting each other, weren't we? Saying how um, Graben was completely isolated. I mm-hmm. think he, he he had the fewest touches on the pitch. He had fewer touches than Bree Samber in goal yeah. for Forest. Yeah. He wasn't involved in the game at all, and he did have a very good chance, admittedly. But you need someone with Graben's quality to be getting on the ball and really having chances put to him. But when Forrest are just wasting possession as yep. regularly as they were, it was just never going to work, was it? Um, right, let's talk about Brentford because they had their first game at their new stadium. It was against Huddersfield, who they beat 3-0. From the Huddersfield podcast, and he takes that chance, is Matt Shaw. Matt, Huddersfield have had two very tricky games to start the season, but they have struggled, haven't they? Huddersfield have struggled, yeah, not half. Uh, continuously bad recruitment has killed this football club for the last two years, and it's now really coming home to roost more than ever, as we're currently selling off players who did well during that period to fund the debt of the club to the previous owner. Uh, Callan Grant, Steve Mounier, who contributed to 63% of our goals last season, either directly or indirectly, uh, through a goal or assist, are leaving or have left. And if you take our last 12 games goal average and project that over a season, uh, then we're only going to score 26 goals this league campaign. Uh, So it's easy to see where the problem is. Uh, the current stance of the club seems to be to hope that Carlos Corbran is is some sort of magician uh, who will be able to wave a wand over players that even David Wagner couldn't get any magic from. 
So wish us luck there. Yeah, I'm looking at the front three of Karoma and Benza and Diacarbi, and it's not the most threatening front three I've ever seen in my life. Uh, do you think that's going to be sorted out before the transfer window ends? The club paid just over twenty million for the pair of Diacarbi and Benza, and don't seem willing to to just write that off just yet, despite two years' evidence to the to the contrary that they aren't a good fit for us. Karoma uh, was bought as a project last year, someone to develop, and he showed some nice touches against Norwich. So patience and support remains with him but it's a little bit exhausted with the other two. Uh, they only average a goal or assist every 12 games in Diacarbi's case and 16 in Mbenza's. Uh, I believe we're after another option up there, but also have Danny Ward to return. But the, the club seem currently content in building a side from the back outwards. Uh, hopefully they get to the front three soon. Otherwise, uh, we're probably not going to be flush with goals this year, to say, uh, to say that lightly. It has, of course, been a tricky couple of games for Corbran, hasn't it, Matt? Uh, have you seen any signs that Corbran is a good manager? Yeah, so tactically he's already displayed a couple of interesting little quirks, uh, such as employing Harry Toffolo in a man-marking wide role on Todd Cantwell uh, last week. And, and this week uh, we tried to starve Brentford of possession of the ball, uh, which I think if you if you deny Brentford the ball, they can't hurt you. So the... Uh, the thought but the process behind it was quite sound. It's just the he doesn't seem to have the players to be able to execute what he needs to at the minute. But both were quite bold moves and, and combine that with a clear style and pattern. Uh, things are probably looking much better uh, right now with a quicker transfer policy. Uh, however, like I say, much of the squad and personnel really doesn't suit him or the style that he's trying. Uh, and how slow the window is in general as well, not just not just Huddersfield. There's a lot of Huddersfield fans blaming the owner for selling uh, Carlos Corbran a, a lame duck, so to speak, so far. But I'm not sure if that is 100% the case at the minute. Uh, the mark of Corbran really uh, will be when he's been able to uh, shape the squad uh, in the way that he wants. Matt Shaw there from and he takes that chance. Yeah, not a good start for Huddersfield. They have been two very tricky games and they have made some interesting signings recently. So it'll be interesting to see how they fit in. But Brentford just in looked very good here, didn't they? Definitely. It was a good performance all round from Brentford. And, you know, you expect some rustiness with a new season. Um, but when it comes to getting getting shots on target, you know, Brentford showed today or yesterday how, how devastating they can be. And especially towards the end of the game, they, they really grew into it. And obviously you expect some players like Tony, for example, to, um, to, to, to grow at Brentford. You know, he had two really good chances, but he failed to put them away. But when you've got players like Embuemo who can do what he did in the final 10 minutes, you're going to be okay. Yeah, I was going to say the only negative from that game for Brentford really was Tony and him missing those two chances. Mm -hmm. But I get the feeling that if he just gets one, then he could be absolutely flying. And when we saw his uh, how he did with Peterborough last season, where he was scoring goals for fun, it could very well be the case there because Brentford creates so many chances. But Brian Abramo, my Lord, what a player he is. That goal that he got and the assist for Forces goal as well. He is superb, isn't he? I was going to say that the footwork for the assist might outweigh the the quality of that final goal for me, which is saying it's, something. It's, it's tricky. It's yeah. close because they were both spectacular. He, the fact that he's only twenty one, just blows my mind because he is so good. Definitely, and I was I was a bit worried about him because um, towards the end of the playoff final, he looked he looked shattered. He looked shattered and a bit out of it. But he's you know he's coming to this season. Organ blazing really and obviously that final 10 minutes he, he lit up the the attack for Brentford and, and saw the game through for him yeah well in fact you, you mentioned the playoff final it was 
pretty much the final third of last season where he just wasn't performing as well yeah. as the likes of Ben Rama and Watkins, for example. Uh, but there is a lot of pressure on him this season to score the goals because he's the only one left of BMW. But a lot of that pressure for a 21-year-old, he's got broad shoulders as it is, and I think <laughs> he can carry it because he is a, he is, he, he's a top talent, isn't he? And it, it surprises me that he hasn't been linked with Premier League clubs because of how good he is for, at such a young age. But nevertheless, let's go to the other side, Justin, who are joint top of the table alongside Luton and Reading this afternoon. It's Bristol City. They picked up a 2-0 win over Stoke, and it was a very dominant performance, wasn't it, from Bristol City? I'm, I mean, I'm not surprised because I, I, I sort of saw this coming. Um, you know, my crystal ball, I've got something about Bristol City this season. I've got a lot more confidence now. Um, now Lee Johnson isn't at the helm. Obviously, Dean Holden's got a lot to prove. But this, this for me, was a was a very good performance from Bristol City, right from the, the back to the front. You know, the, the three centre-backs, Fine and Moore and Mawson were awesome. And um, <laughs> the two strikers, Martin uh, and Wells, linked up really well. So it's it's... It's only good things from here, hopefully. Mm. The thing is with Bristol City is they've got so much quality and depth, haven't they? Mm-hmm. And that's massive along in a championship season like this one, especially where it's game after game after game. So I, I do think Bristol City, I've got the players. I, I've got my question mark still about Dean Holden, but two wins in two and you can't fault that, especially against the Stoke side, who we think are going to be right up there this season. But after this performance, you, there are question marks, aren't they? Because they didn't look very good here at all, did they? They looked disorganised. They looked like they were getting turned over so easily in possession. And that, Their defending that, at times was awful, wasn't it? Yeah, and you consider that James Chester, Danny Batten, Bruno Martins, India have got a very good pedigree between them. It's not, it's not ideal. Um, you know, not going to try and sort of jump on them straight away. But they, they, you know, it's two games, no goals in the league now, and um, they look like they are. They look like they look like they're very far away from where they want to be. Which obviously last season the form under Michael O'Neill was actually fairly good. Um, so it is a bit of a worry for Stoke, but you know there's a long way to go, and they've got a lot of good players who might just take a bit of time to click. Yeah, we can't fault them too much, can we? Because Bristol City and Mill, they're two very tricky games mm-hmm. and uh, two very good defences as well. So. Can't count them out just yet. We are just two games in. We shouldn't get carried away now, should we, Justin? Uh, Let's go to the game on Friday night where Coventry and QPR played out a great match which finished 3-2 to Cov with Cal McFadgen getting the late winner. I thought both sides looked really good at times here. Did you agree? No, I I do agree. And if if a game was to sum up two sides, it'd be this one. You know, they both look like they'd be very good in attack again. Obviously, QPR, you'd hoped that they might have may have moved on a little bit from their chaos at the back last season but it looks like it's seeping into a bit this season but they've got goals in their team and so have Coventry and I think that's what really excites me about these two teams is how they both attack Mm, I'm just amazed at Coventry's recruitment how on earth did they get Callum O'Hare on a free he is superb it blows my mind that Villa just let this young lad leave for nothing Mm -hmm. when he's clearly quality and it looks like he's got a big future because QPR didn't know what to do with him at times and I know it's early on um in the championship, but he's made, he's had no trouble stepping up, has he, from League One? And he's going to cause a lot of defenders a lot of misery this season because he looks like the real deal. But as you mentioned, QPR, they'll be disappointed. I thought their defending was very suspect at times, and we thought it might have been something that was sorted after the signing of Rob Dickey from Oxford, but 
we'll have to wait and see whether that does get better going forwards doesn't seem to be an issue which we thought it might have been at the start of the season but there we go uh, Millwall got their first win of the season by beating Rotherham 1-0 after a clanger by Michael Ahikway just before we get going again on that, I'd like to apologise to all Rotherham United fans for cursing Michael Higway <laughs> by praising him so highly last week. Because that that is what happens when we when we lay praise on someone or a team, they tend to go downhill very quickly. It's all our fault. It's the second tier curse. It is, um, but there wasn't much in the game other than that mistake, which is which is yeah. very frustrating. I imagine for for Rotherham because that game would have probably ended nil nil had it not been for that clangor. Yeah, I thought it was actually a decent performance from Rotherham. But my initial thoughts from their two games so far is that quite solid defensively, not going to score many goals this season. What do you think? Um, Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree, actually, because the issue that Rotherham had when they were up last time under Paul Warren is they they leaked so many goals. So many goals, and um, I think you know he's 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 probably he's learned from that experience and addressed it, and they look a lot more solid. And I think going forward, they will they will find the groove eventually. Um, but you know, as long as they keep you know keep chances to a minimum, they're going to be in games. Yeah, that is pretty much what we we we'd expected of Wickham, really. You know, keep keep chances to a minimum, goals to a minimum, they'll still be in the game. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be um, this weekend. So Rotherham, keep that mentality. They will they will be. Well, you'd hope they'd be okay this season. I'd agree with that. Uh, not a great performance by Millwall, actually. They did get the job done eventually after, what was it, Kalanga. Um They'll be better when Troy Parrott comes into the side, I expect, which should be fairly soon when he's got rid of this injury that's been dogging him for the past couple of weeks. Uh, Swansea, nil. Birmingham, nil. A very dull game, but the main highlights came at half-time when Swansea coach Alan Tate grabbed Birmingham midfielder John Terrell by the neck and pushed him to the ground. It's been called a choke slam on social media. It was a very bizarre incident, wasn't it, Justin? It all like came out of nothing as well. John Terrell just went across to him at half-time and then Tate was like, I'm not having this. And he pulled out uh, the big show choke slam. I think it's come the big show chokes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's come from what happened before because Birmingham were meant to give the ball back and Terrell kicked it out for a throw in and I presume Tate has had a go at him and Terrell's gone over to settle their differences. And, uh, it, it, he's it put him on the ground. Yeah, it doesn't sound like an incident where you just automatically choke slam someone though. It doesn't <laughs> seem like it's escalated to that extent because if I do that on a night out, then I'll, I'll spend the night. I'll spend the night in the cells. They can't just choke slam people. You can't. How many? How many times have you been on a night out and had the uh, inclination to choke slam someone? Oh, whenever there's a night out with you, mate, there is always that inclination. Are you saying you want to choke slam me on a night out? Yeah, that sounds really weird. Um, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, there wasn't really anything else that happened in this game. Although I've got to say, Morgan Gibbs White looks a real player for Swansea. Oh, um, quickly, actually, the, uh, Morgan Gibbs White that pass from Matt Grimes, um, where Morgan Gibbs White was able to cut inside, was just unbelievable. I think probably I'm going to call it now the best pass you'll see this season. Wow, that amount to nothing, shell. but it was such a good ball, and I think that just highlights the quality Matt Grimes has in his in his locker. Finally, another ball draw was at Hillsborough between Wednesday and Watford. Justin, I understand you want to make a point about Watford. Yeah, um, look, the, the quality that's packed into this Watford side is ridiculous. and um, They didn't dominate the game. They had just 51% possession, which it's you can't really judge a side, but you consider Cardiff trounced Wednesday last week um, in terms of possession, and Cardiff are by no means a possession-based side. Um 
and then you know they only had three shots on target as well. It's disappointing that they didn't edge it out with a win, just because as I say that that quality in the side and obviously they they were I thought they were poor against Borough as well. I thought Borough could have got the win last week. Um, so there's a, there's a long way to go for this Watford side. And I think we got we got a few pelters from from Watford fans because of how we where mm-hmm. we predicted for them to finish. But it's disappointing, and I think Gary Monk will be very very happy with his start um, for for Wednesday. Well, Christian Cabaselli, uh, the Watford defender, said after the game that he didn't realise the championship was so tough. Well, there Ugh. you go. We could have t- we could have told you that, Christian. Come yeah. on now, get on retainer. <laughs> right, it's time for the news. Here we go then. Middlesbrough boss Neil Warnock has tested positive for coronavirus, as we mentioned earlier in the show. He's spending two weeks in isolation, meaning he missed the Bournemouth match and will miss the QPR game next weekend as well. Get well soon, Neil Warnock. Justin, this is a very interesting story. The Daily Mail is reporting that Barnsley have held talks with other EFL clubs about playing home games at their grounds. Now, the club has played at Oakwell for 132 years, but there's said to have been a row over the purchase of the ground. Um, they've even allegedly had contact with two clubs in Lancashire. Lancashire, Justin. No. Uh, Oakwell is half-owned by the council and the club's owners want to make improvements to it, but won't do it unless they own the whole ground. And Barnsley Council says it's shocked and dismayed at the report. So it seems like something is cracking off in Yorkshire. Uh, Derby youngsters Max Bird and Louis Sibley have agreed new contracts at the club. No year has been revealed, but they've been called long term. Good news for the Rams. I think this was one of the things that Derby fans really wanted to get tied up going into the new season. Obviously, we're in it now, so for them to announce their contracts is good news and a relatively bland start for the for the team. I think relatively bland is a kind way of putting it. Rotherham boss Paul Warner signed a new deal to keep him at the club until 2023. Good news, because we love Paul Warner on the second tier. And finally, Ross McCormack has signed for Aldershot. The former Cardiff, Leeds, Fulham and Villa striker joins on a one-year deal. Very bizarre. Very bizarre story. Yeah, and I think when you spend a fair amount of time out of the game like McCormack has, because it's been a year since he's played, or maybe a bit longer. Well, he was in Scotland and then he was in Australia. I'm not sure when his last game was, but he hasn't played much at all recently. Yeah, but he's still in exactly the same shape, I imagine, where he left Villa. Which, I don't know what what tells you about... well, that tells you about his, you know, his spell at Villa, or he's keeping himself in good nick. And for a player of his quality, I generally thought he'd, he'd be back in a championship at some point. But well, the, the thing is, he's not the kind of player who is, is exactly a very physical presence, is he? So, mm. it, as he got older, you'd have expected him to just kind of get better with age, I suppose. But obviously, that Villa spell is completely ruined his career really uh, it's quite funny a Villa fan on Twitter said that's a great signing for older shot I remember watching him at Villa Park and thinking he's around non-league level <laughs> laugh. Uh, let's move on to some transfers Justin Darby have signed Polish attacker Kamil Joswiak from Lech Poznan for a fee reported to be around three and a half million pounds Man United midfielder James Garner has gone to Watford on loan. That's a very good signing because mm-hmm. he's been. He's one of those players who gets talked about quite a lot. So it'll be interesting to see how he yeah. does at uh, Vicarage Road. Daniel Ayala has joined Blackburn after leaving sign. Middlesbrough. Yeah, you, are you a fan of that? Yeah, we said last week that one of the things that you'd want to ex- that you'd expect Blackburn to solve is getting another centre half in. They've done that, and they've got a very good Championship performer in Daniel Ayala. Mm, I'm surprised he didn't go to a club 
near the top, I know Blackburn are quite near the top at the moment anyway, but someone fighting for promotion or even a Premier League club, because I know Leeds were linked with him um, in, earlier on in the summer, because for, for a free, there aren't many better centre-halves. Yeah, it's a very tidy signing, and I think it's a brilliant move for, by Blackburn. Birmingham have brought Scott Hogan back on a permanent deal. Former Hull and Forest Loney, Tuba Akpom has signed for Middlesbrough from Pauk in Greece. I completely forgot about him. So did I, but he's one of them players who used to sign on Football Manager and he'd bang goals in, <laughs> wouldn't he? So hopefully he does the uh, same here. This is a very interesting signing, Justin. Huddersfield have brought in Ajax midfielder Carol Eiting on loan. Now, he was very highly rated early on in his, in, in his career. He's expected to be the future of Holland's midfield with Frankie de Jong, but he's really struggled with injuries. But he's still only 22. So if they get him back to his... Get him back and make him live up to his potential, it could be an unbelievable move. Uh, Coventry have re-signed left-back Sam McCullum on loan from Norwich. Big fan of that signing. Jacob was mentioning it earlier in the show that he's surprised that he didn't, that he hasn't featured more, really. I know they've brought in um, the uh, Spanish left-back whose name I've completely Quintilla. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when you've got someone who was doing as well as he was last season on, on loan at Coventry in League One, you'd have thought he might have been given a go, but hasn't happened. Watford left-back Purvis Estepan has joined Villarreal for £15 million despite not making a single appearance for the Hornets. So Watford have got these players I've never heard of and it's like, <laughs> well, that that came through in the week and I was like, where's he come from? Uh, where's he come from? He's been five years and he's just been sent out on loan every single season, not given a look in. And they've managed to make fifteen million from him. So fair play. Yeah. They're, they're making a tidy amount of money from some of the players they're selling. Benekophobia has left Stoke to go to Trabs on Sport in Turkey on loan. Uh, very unfortunate how his uh, career has gone over the last season. Into that injury is really affecting him, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, and finally, Swansea forward Joel Asoro has gone on loan to Genoa. It's that's a weird situation as well. He joined for two million two yeah. years ago and he's barely played. Very weird. Uh, let's do some polls, Justin. At the start of the show on Twitter, we asked you three questions. Three very interesting questions. I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, Justin. Uh, the first question was, who will score the most goals this season out of these four strikers? Adam Armstrong, Kiefer Moore, Dominic Solanke and Timu Puki. Uh, you mentioned earlier that you think oh. Solanke could be in contention for a golden boot. Um, you back in Solanke out of those four? No. Um I say he'd be in contention, but Adam Armstrong, for me, seven goals in five games is his recent form. I think he's bang on the money for, for being top top goal scorer this season. Mm. Well, he was always going to score a lot of goals, wasn't he? Uh, Kiefer Moore's the one who's came out of top, though. He got 34% of the vote, which is interesting. Uh, Pukki was second with 27%, Armstrong 25%, and Solanke 14%. So not oh. many people are backing you with the Solanke shout. Uh, how many wins will Wickham get this season? <laughs> None, 1-5, to 6-12, 13-plus. Worth pointing out, uh, who finished bottom last season? I forgot. It, it was Hull. Hull finished bottom. Yes. Uh, they got 12 wins last season. Uh, but our followers on Twitter think Wickham will get 6 to 12. Mm-hmm. So they're probably about right. Uh, 1 to 5 got 42%. 7% of people think Wickham won't win a game this season. Wow. That's... Um, I'm not oh, sure where I sit on that at the moment because they did look <laughs> absolutely awful people against don't, Blackburn. Yeah, people don't like a fairy tale. No. Uh, and finally, what's the best type of Kit Kat? Bog standard, four fingers, or chunky? Which one are you going for? Now, to be put on the spot here, this 
this is a subject that I think deserves 10 minutes. Mm. We don't have 10 minutes. Uh, we don't have 10 minutes, but I'm willing to give you a bit of time to go with your selection. Mm. Now, they both offer different you know, ty- types of experience. The chunky is mm. one you just want to dive into, whereas the, 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 the fingers, you just there's a bit more intricacy there. Uh, <laughs> dividing up the fingers, for example. And I if find this more chocolate with a chunky, though. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, I do agree, but I think it's how you eat it. Because if you just dive into the four fingers like an absolute monstrosity, you may as well get a chunky. Yeah, so, that's a fair point. Yeah. That's... Are you the kind to snap off a finger, lick off all the chocolate, and then eat the biscuit afterwards? Or the wafer? No, I'll break off the finger I'll, and I'll, I'll chow down on that, that, that finger. Um, so that's what I mean. You, you break up the fingers or, or you get a chunky. So I'm going to go with the fingers. I think I'd go with the Chunky. I did actually reveal who won, actually. <laughs> I think the Chunky got 60%. Yeah, it did. The Chunky got 60% there. So it was quite a close-run thing. I think that tells you a lot about society now. People just aren't patient enough. No, everyone disagrees with each other. It's, it's not nice to see. <laughs> In Japan, they've got like loads of variations. Yeah, so Kats. I went to Vietnam last year, and I had a strawberry one, a green tea one. Mm. Um, there's, there's more in um, Vietnam and Japan, for example, than there are. I was, I was researching online some of the Kit Kat flavours and you can get a baked potato Kit Kat. I don't even know how that would taste, a baked potato Kit Kat. It just sounds awful. Uh, anyway, um, where were we? Oh, let's do the Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Hi, Simon Grayson here. We're joined once again by Johnny Bullock from the Borough Breakdown podcast and Jacob Robinson from CanaryCast. Are you both honoured to be the second group of players having a go at Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight? Absolutely. Very looking forward to it. (laughs) So so convincing. You might be the first winners of it as well if you manage to get this right uh, because the chaps from the Wicked Podcast and Rotherham Podcast we had on last week, they both failed. So it's going to be interesting to see how you guys do. So I'm just going to quickly explain how it works. Um, I'm going to ask the boys here to name eight of a certain subject and they've got to work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say, name the first eight most common nationalities in the championship like we did last week. And Justin were to say English, that's one down. And if Johnny were to say Irish, that's another down. But if Jacob were to say Libyan, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, chaps, is give me all eight answers without all of you being eliminated. Is that clear? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought since we've got a Derby fan, Middlesbrough and Norwich fan playing the game today, I thought we'd make the question about a player who is a legend for all three of your clubs. Can you name for me the eight clubs Patrick Bamford has made a senior appearance for? Oh, Christ. I think that's a, a, cl- a clue there. Um, Justin, we'll start off with you. Can you name me a club Patrick Bamford has made a senior appearance for? Well, obviously, I'm, I'm the Derby fan, so I'm going to say Derby. You are correct. He made 23 appearances, scoring eight goals, which actually ain't too bad, really. Um, Johnny, you next. Easy, Middlesbrough. Uh, There we go. Look at that. 43 goals in 97 appearances. Very tidy. Fantastic. Uh, Jacob. Unfortunately, Norwich City, not as uh, fantastic for us. Cut the bar against Man City once. That was uh, about it. (laughs) I remember that. He did it for miles out, didn't he? It was going to be a world-class goal. I think Joe Hart was at his prime then as well. It was like, oh, we've got a player here. And then, yeah, never really (laughs) materialised. Yeah, seven appearances, no goals. Uh, Justin, can you name another club Patrick Bamford has made a senior appearance for? 
Oh, before he came to Derby's, I was on loan at Milton, Milton Keynes Dons. I don't know why I call him Milton Keynes Dons. Yeah. MK <laughs> Dons. <laughs> there we go. MK Dons, uh, 44 appearances over two loan spells, scoring 21 goals. That is four down. Johnny, can you name another club that Patrick Bamford has made a senior appearance for? I'm swinging a miss. Um, I want to say Nottingham Forest because he started his career there, didn't he? He did. He made two appearances. Oh, was right. Wow. Very early on in his career. Jacob. Oh, I'm struggling now. Um, it's, oh, it's a big one, but I, I think I might be wrong. Chelsea? Chelsea is wrong. He did play for... He was at Chelsea, but he never actually yeah. made a senior appearance. So Jacob is out. That means it's down to Justin and Johnny, and you've got three left. Three left, chaps. Uh, who's going is it? Justin? Oh, well, there's the easy one. So it's Leeds. Yep, yep. 27 <laughs> goals in 74 appearances. Uh, you would be correct with that. Uh, Johnny, can you name any of the two last clubs Patrick Bamford has made a senior appearance for? <sighs> Tricky now. I can only think of one. Burnley? Really? Burnley is correct. That Watch means out, that is... one left. Just it was Burnley the club you were thinking of. Yeah, I'm sure he played like 45 minutes for Burnley. He played six games, no oh. goals. Uh, can you name um, the last one? Oh, crikey. I, I, that's, I don't know. Um, Stop stalling. Come on. Yeah, I think I've got it. Justin, I think I've got it. Oh, um, um, I'm going to go Bournemouth. He's a very Bournemouth player, isn't he? He is a very Bournemouth player, but surprisingly, he hasn't played for Bournemouth. So, Johnny, it's all down to you. You say you've got it. Can you name the final club Patrick Bamford's made a senior appearance for? I'm sure he went to Crystal Palace before oh, after Bora, I think. Yeah. Nine appearances, no goals for Crystal Palace. Lads, you're the first winners of Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. How does it feel? Oh, fantastic. I can't believe it. It's my... I thought... I was going to my gravestone. I told you I could do it. I'm delighted to have been carried. They are the Emmy Buendia's my Norwich team. Absolutely carried through that. <laughs> Johnny, I mean, it was all down to you in the end. Do you feel like your teammates let you down in this situation? Absolutely not, mate. It's a team game, you know. <laughs> Simon Grayson would say it's a team effort, so... Out of interest, if... if Justin hadn't Jake hadn't helped you out. Would you have got the other ones? Do you reckon? Yeah, I was I was clutching straws. I was just thinking, what are the what are the most bang average clubs that Patrick Bamford could play for? <laughs> um, I, t- I tell you what, I completely forgot I played for MK Dons. So when Justin had that yeah. like out the bag quite early, I was like, oh god, they're going to get. Yeah, us. I'm, I wouldn't have got that one. Not a chance. Well, well done, guys. I'm really proud of all of you for being the first ever winners of Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. What a time to be alive. Gents, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Johnny Bullock from the Borough Breakdown podcast. Thank you for being here. No worries. Thanks for having me, guys. Jacob Robinson from Canarycast. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me on, guys. Much appreciated. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. 